Hey guys, welcome back to the Grow Flow podcast, where we bring you the best information, insights, and interviews to manage, grow, and scale your cannabis business. My name is Joe Stolte, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host, Travis Stefan. I always enjoy when you say that. It makes me feel so good. Yeah, it's what we do. It's what we do around here. Um, today's episode, we're going to have a really important topic, which we'll get to in a second. But before we do that... Um, I want to read a mail that's, that somebody wrote in. Yeah. Can we do that? Let's do it. Awesome. So first of all, let me zoom in because I'm blind. Big love to Terry Love from Nasty Jack's Candy. It's an awesome name. Terry. So good. Uh, and products are so good, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so Terry says, Travis and Joe, I just listened to and subscribed to your podcast. Nasty Jack's Candy is a processor only of infused edibles. We've been with GrowFlow since the LCB change from BioTrack to Leaf Data. Cannot say enough good things about GrowFlow and the help I get from them. Dot dot dot. Help is quick and accurate, and they are patient and kind to me. Exclamation point. I just have one comment for you as you forge ahead with your podcast. We are a tiny, tiny, tiny company processing only edibles, struggling a lot in the last few years. And I just lost my page. Hold up. <laughs> That's great. Um, edibles seem to be the redheaded stepchild of the industry. You use words like cultivator, grower, et cetera, of which we are none. Please do not forget us, little guys. Thanks, and good luck moving forward with your podcast. Can we just say that we have a bunch of people that just process edibles on GrowFlow, yep. and we love you. Yeah. In fact, there's a whole bunch of parts of our software that were made specifically, like if you do edibles, specifically around making labels and processing orders, oh, yeah. that were born out of servicing you. So we definitely don't want to neglect you. Yep. We love you. If you have an edibles company and you don't, buy our software you know mm -hmm. you should do that because we're gonna make your life a lot easier yep and we, we <laughs> so in other words we want as many redheaded stepchildren at GrowFlow as we can we're the pied piper of redheaded stepchildren in this case i'm also a power user of <laughs> edibles i appreciate you terry and what you do um and every evening before i go to bed i consume some of that type of product never slept better yeah and if you're in washington like go buy all their products yeah, definitely. All of them. Every yeah. one of them. Yep. Um, cool. All right. So today's topic is, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, is... Is you know, Joe. It's it's probably one of the most important topics we'll ever talk about in this podcast. Yep. Let's just be honest. That's true. That's true. We spent one episode in the very beginning talking about my background and how I got here. And we never actually took a deep dive into who you are and what your background was and and how you came to be here today. That, so That like, might be by design. You know? you know, first and foremost, like, Where'd you grow up? How'd you get into business? Oh, um, okay. Just, I just want to relish this moment. Yep. <laughs> but also I want to caveat. This is another one of these selfish episodes. So if you're like, man, we're just going to talk about this guy. Like, cool. You might, you might want to skip this one, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll make it worth your while. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up in a farm town about 30 miles outside of Portland, Oregon. Uh, we had a population of like less than a thousand people. Mm. It was, um, it was a really big deal when we got our first traffic light. It was like, oh, my God, like people really, really lit up their day. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and then when we got to McDonald's, I mean, mm, that was... That's a big deal. That was earth-shattering. And I was like, yeah. we felt like we got put on the map. No, but I, I kind of grew up in this small farm town. And then, um, you know, I, for elementary school, I went there. And then middle school, I left. And I kept trying to get to, like, a bigger city and a bigger city and a bigger city. And I always wanted to, like, get out of this little farm town. Um, but what was cool about being in a farm town is it was like, I had an older brother and he had a bunch of friends and I got to see all of them like go crazy. And these are like, th my brother's life was like, you know, 
like smoke weed, drink a gallon of milk and build his Camaro in the driveway. It was like an eighties movie, you know, like my whole, sounds like it. Yeah, it really was. Um, but what was cool is like, I got to see how like these guys like hustled a little bit and made money. Mm. So we were like super resourceful. And, um, my first kind of how you asked how I got into business Mm -hmm. is like, you know, it was like the early nineties and, uh, you know, I started like, we're in a small town, you know, this is before the internet. And I started getting my hands on like some tapes, you know, Mm -hmm. some like, uh, one, uh, I remember I got this tape, uh, cassette tape. And on one side was like NWA straight out of Compton on the other side was two live crew nasty as they want to be. Now, Uh if you could think about like, if you're a parent and you have like a nine or 10 year old son or something like, like, like that's the last kind of music you probably want them listening to. Um, but it was awesome. And so like I started watching MTV and I was like, people were wearing like Jordan's sneakers and Mm -hmm. like Raiders jackets. And you know, my, my family didn't really have money to buy these kinds of things, you know? So, um, but I was a savage. I was like, I want it. Like I'm going to get it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, what I did is I ended up like going around and like knocking doors and saying like, Hey, you know, can I, can I mow your lawn for 10 bucks? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I got a bunch of people to say yes. And they very quickly realized like, Hey, you know, there's probably not that many more things in life that I hate more than mowing lawns, but you know, I really (laughs) wanted this Raiders jacket or whatever. and, And the Jordans, so, you know, I went out and uh, I mowed the first lawn and I did a pretty bad job. Like uh-huh. they complained, they almost didn't want to pay me. I'm like, well, how am I going to fix this? So what I did is I went and I asked all my brother's friends and some of my friends if I could borrow their lawnmowers. And I got like four lawnmowers. And because we're in a farm town, you know, it's like a bunch of migrant workers there. You know, mm-hmm. people that, that don't speak any English. Mm-hmm. So I got my other friend who speaks Spanish and I was like, hey, ask them if they want to mow a bunch of lawns for five bucks. I got five lawnmowers. And so they went out and mowed all these lawns and we just repeated this hustle until I could buy my jacket and my shoes. And of course, you know, I just shut the whole thing off because that's the only reason I started that hustle. But that's like, I tell that story because that's like a window into like my entrepreneurial mind. You know, it's pretty driven by like... Starting young. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I didn't come back to being an entrepreneur until many years later. But that was like, that's like my origin story. Nice. Farm town, lawn mowing, hustler, uh, gangster rap. That, yeah. Like those three things are things you should take away from that story. Nice. So what was like your first, let's say your first like job that you really loved and you're passionate about that kind of started the started the journey for you? Yeah, it's crazy. And I don't know if you call us a job, uh-huh. but I was a professional. Yep. Um, so yep. when I got to high school, you know, I like my freshman year, I was good at school. I had like a three nine GPA. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then I, I, I started um, I found these guys after school and they were breaking. Mm-hmm. b-boying breakdancing yep. b-boying i'll call it b-boying because that's what we call it breaking right and uh man i was so bad at breaking like like I, I tried it and i was so bad i was like so challenged by it i was like dude i got it i gotta figure this out yeah like, i've never been so bad at anything i was so competitive <laughs> with myself you know um you know and so my sophomore and junior year i just like basically like didn't go to class mm-hmm. i skipped like every class like my my whole routine was like get up I went to my first period class because I had a buddy who danced with me and like we hung out together. Yep. I would skip the next class to practice. Yep. We would sneak off campus to go eat pho and then uh-huh. we would like find a place to practice and I would come back for my last class and my mom could pick me up from school. That was it. And so, you know, what this ended up turning into is after I graduated high school, I left and I went to Seattle and I uh, ended up joining, I skipped college and I joined a, a dance group called the Massive Monkeys. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like my first, not like my first job in business, but we ended up doing a bunch of cool things with Massive Monkeys. You yeah. Know, we... What were some of the cool things that you guys did? <laughs> um, well, we won two world titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one in 2004, the second one in, 2000, in 2012. And the first one, um, you know, the mayor of Seattle gave us like our own day. 
It's like yeah. massive monkey day of Seattle. Which still exists today, right? Still exists today. Yeah, for sure. And um, what was cool about that is that never really happened in, in like the history of breaking and history of hip hop. So yeah. was, we were like the first people to have that happen. And so like we got a bunch of like attention for that. And that was mm. pretty cool. So we got to like tour. We got to go, um, you know, teach a bunch of workshops and have like a little theater show. Mm -hmm. So I supported myself doing that basically. Right. Well, I had that in a side hustle. I was selling like used car parts when like, sure. you know, the shows weren't coming to make enough money. Yeah. And you were um, doing some like a, like a nonprofit as well, right? Yeah. And what we eventually did is we turned that into a nonprofit called Extraordinary Futures. Mm. So, you know, that was amazing because we basically took, you know, like several of us were into like personal development, you know, mm -hmm. me and my room roommate, Jerome, shout out to Jeromeski, if you're watching this, you know, well, we were really into like personal development. So, you know, what I did is I, we were really into like Tony Robbins and all the guys, but Tony Robbins has this thing called the like Anthony Robbins Research Institute or something. Yeah. And so I like looked them up on the internet. I wrote up, I was like, hey, like, you know, you said on your website, you can like, you know, you, you'll give like your leadership teachings, you know, if to, to charities or whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, maybe we could start a charity and get a bunch of his stuff for free. Nice. But we ended up getting it and uh, kind of combining that with what we were, what we had learned with breaking. You know, we were teaching hundreds of kids across the city. Mm -hmm. uh, Massive Monkeys eventually opened up a studio in Seattle. And, uh, you know, I, I, we kept doing this for a while until, you know, I decided to go to college, paid for mm -hmm. college by dancing. And, uh, you know, one of these days I was, uh, you know, maybe at the beginning of my college career, I met a guy who changed my life. You know, you meet that mentor that right. kind of takes you to the next level. Well, I met this guy and, um, you know, he was working in management consulting at the mm -hmm. time. And I was kind of like, well, what do you do? He's like, well, I, you know, kind of fly around and tell other business owners like what to do. And they listen and I get paid for that. And I was like, oh, travel, tell people what to do. I was like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was like, well, I think I want to do that. So I went to college. I did that for a little bit. I had a little stint in corporate America. I worked at Microsoft. I did mm -hmm. management consulting. Um, but the whole time, like something was off, mm -hmm. you know, like I was not wired to to sit in a desk and to right. like show up and put my mask on every day. So, yeah. you know, in like around 2012, 2013, I met you yep. and uh, I bounced. I left there and we moved into our little, little Winston house in Venice Beach, California. And yeah, talk a little bit about that. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in the span of like six months, you know, my father passed away from cancer. I got married mm. and I left this, this, this legacy of all things, massive monkeys in Seattle. You know, this is like, you know, 15, 16 years of my life mm. and my blood, sweat and tears to and I left this corporate job and we moved to Venice. Yeah. You know, so part of it was like, yo, I'm leaving this rainy ass city and I'm yeah. going to the beach. So that made it easy. But part of it was like kind of like closing the door on a chapter mm. in my life and really opening a new door. Man, it was crazy exciting. Like that was such a cool time, you know, yeah. to like, you know, in a lot of ways, unlearn all the corporate garbage that doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. for most of us entrepreneurs. Like just had to like unwire that crap out of my brain and put some of the things in my brain and re-recognize that that same hustler that was in me when I was mowing lawns, yeah. you know, and uh, actually being around you was super helpful because like, you'd never had a job before, like yeah. a real job. All <laughs> you'd ever done was like build and sell companies, yeah. you know? So like someone would ask me a question. I remember we were talking about like developing software or something. And I was like, man, like my, and my brain was like, that's going to be hard. And I'd go through all the reasons in my brain of why that was going to be hard, mm. you know? And then, and then someone would ask you the same questions. Like, yeah, I'll probably find some people on Upwork and get that done next week. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, so my brain wasn't wired like that yet. Like yeah. I didn't have that resourceful muscle, like it was missing, you know? Mm. So that, that transition was crazy. You know, we had, um, whatever, like five or six or seven people living in a house with two bathrooms and one shower, yep. 
right no, sho- off. no shower curtain on the shower really. yeah it was pretty savage but the place was beautiful <laughs> it you know was. it was like right in uh in, in venice beach california right um on the street called abbott kenny yeah which um you know it's kind of, it was a it's big like, deal it was like coming it's up like at the, the time. sexy it's like the bet the the rodeo drive of the west side of la kind of yeah yeah at the time it was like they're calling it the sexiest neighborhood in america or yeah. sexiest street in america our so neighbor like, and our neighbor was oh, i don't even remember which one chance like the... robert downey jr oh robert downey jr oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in LA, you know, it's like whatever. Crazy. Um, but yeah, that, that, that process was super cool. So like that was very transformative for me, you know, and my first company that I started was a company called Rally Songs, mm-hmm. technology company helping, you know, big musicians raise money for their favorite charities. And, um, you know, we raised money for the first time. So we made pretty much every mistake that you could make mm. when it came to raising money. You know, we didn't, we didn't know what the hell we were doing, but you know, we had a talented team. We had a very good idea and we just got blessed. So we raised some money and that company didn't work out and it didn't work out in a in a really interesting way like mm. you know i went from making all this nice corporate cushy money to mm. like you know sixty thousand dollars in debt yep you know i'm in line at whole foods and uh you know it was one of those hot days it was during like remember the als ice bucket yep, challenge days so like rally song the company had basically tanked and we had to sell the ip to our investors and it was this terrible day it was like the day that like i signed the final paperwork or whatever to kind of close everything up right and it was super hot and my wife was at work and I was like, I'm gonna go to Whole Foods, you uh-huh. know, and I'm gonna get some hot bar food, and I'm gonna get the coldest drink that money will buy. Uh-huh. So I go in there, like I get the drink, and you know, you know, you you know when you like you open the thing, and like some of the drinks are like kind of sweaty in the front, so you grab the cold one in the back. So yep. I grab that, got my hot bar food, and I was so ready to drink the drink that I started drinking it before I went to the the checkout. Uh-huh. And we get to the checkout, and like. You know, I swiped my card. It, it didn't work. Oh, <laughs> like, man. It's hilarious now. But at the time, it was, like, mortifying. Yeah. It was, like, it was humiliating. Yeah. You know, and I was, like, what do I do? I was, like, I could, part of me was, like, I'm just going to tell the truth. Like, man, my company just went out of business and I'm dead broke. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> but I was, like, yeah, you know, I must have left my other card. And, you know, can you just hold this stuff while I go to my car? And I just walked. That was, like, the longest walk home ever. It was, like, I'm laughing now. But, man, uh, it, it sucked. That's a moment. It sucked. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was, that was one of those times where all this stuff around studying personal development, you know, where mm-hmm. the rubber hits the road, Yeah, you know, where it's like, I'm either going to, I'm either going to take everything and turn it into a resource and use it to my advantage and use this right. as an opportunity to learn and come up and get better, or I'm going to be demolished. Yep. I'm going to have to go with my legs, you know, tail between my legs and go get a job. Yeah. So you, you went from tanking the, like the, the company tanked. It was a hell of a ride. This hell of a ride. And I was I was able to witness a lot of it, especially all the really cool concerts that happened in the house, by the way. Oh yeah, that was amazing. Pretty epic. Yeah. Um, some of those musicians I still listen to to this day. Um, and then what what did you do? What happened next? Well, actually, thank God that you were my roommate and you know, we worked in the same bullpen, like t- yeah. six feet from each other. Right. Um, because we went out to dinner, I think it was like lunch, right? Umami burgers in Santa Monica. Yes. And I had this idea, you know, like I'm a nerd. I like studied direct response marketing. And mm-hmm. um, and I was like reading about how like they used to market services back in the day, mm-hmm. like plumbers and really kind of focused marketing. Mm-hmm. At the time, you know, uh, this was when like everybody was like leaving Facebook to go to Snapchat because the parents had just started adopting Facebook. Right. right? So like everyone's parents are coming and all like the young kids are like, all right, it's not safe anymore. We got to get out of here. And so like, I was like, well, all these new people coming, you know, they don't understand anything about marketing. This is like 2015, would you say? 2014, 15, yeah, yeah, something four, like that? 14, 14-ish, yeah. end of 14. And so, you know, um, I was like, man, these guys don't understand anything about like marketing or Facebook or like 
you know, they don't even know how to tie their shoes when it comes to social media. Yep. And, you know, there's some really easy things we can do to help them, like reach more customers, get noticed, book more appointments, whatever. And I was like, what if we just started like a social media services agency for people that are like 40 or 50 years old and older? Yeah. And then you're like, let's do it. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I was like, all right, that's a cute idea. You yeah. know, that was cool. It's a good conversation over burgers. You know, yep. but I got to go figure out how I'm going to pay the bills. Right. And then like you went off and like, did what you do, like took the the bone and ran with it. Like, uh. you know, like you went out and if I remember correctly, you like hired somebody on Upwork and scraped like, like a whole bunch of like contact information for like yeah. dental people and dental yep. supply areas. And then we just started ha like reaching out to them cold and, yeah. and trying to book them for business. And, yeah. you know, sooner or later, we started getting some traction with that and we didn't raise any money for this. No. So this is what I mean is like, we, we set the, the, the infrastructure and the the technology up in like a weekend or something like that. Oh yeah. It was, it was crazy, crazy fast. Um, but you know, the moral of this story is we didn't raise any money. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any social media followers. In fact, yeah. I was hiding from social media because investors were looking at my social media and going like, why aren't you making me more money? Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, so, so we didn't have any money. We didn't have any followers. We have nothing. We basically yeah. started from scratch. We started with an idea with a little bit of resourcefulness and whatever you invested in the guy in Upwork, probably a couple hundred bucks. Something like that. You know, and in 10 months we had, somebody that bought the company yeah you know which was random because we didn't build it to sell it but no. within 10 months we had an offer for someone to buy the company which is yeah which was awesome because it gave me money uh -huh. and it was also awesome because it gave me back my confidence right it was like man okay you know you ever wake up and you know you have those days where you get up and you look in the mirror you're like yo like am i really cut out for this entrepreneur stuff this, yeah. this doing it on my own game yeah you know i was having a lot of those those moments in the morning going yep i got mm -hmm. it let's go but deep inside mm -hmm. i'm like maybe i don't got it right. but like selling that company i was like i did it like i, I arrived <laughs> like can't tell me nothing you know right, right. <laughs> um so that was a big moment for for uh for me and you know from there um you know i went off and uh, my mentor the guy that worked in management consulting was also a consultant and something of a mentor to Rob Deerdeck, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from Fancy Factory and Robin the, Big and Robin Big and all the things. And, uh, you know, so I got to go and he was building an investment fund. So I mm -hmm. got to go meet him and, you know, my mentor made the introduction and I got to work with him for about six months, helping him build his investment fund. Um, but at the time, you know, I was, I thought, Hey, it would be great. I sold a company. Now I'll go work on the other side as an investor and let's see, sure. help, help Rob do his thing. Um, but you know, you ended up getting a job. I did. Yeah. yeah. It was around the same time that I kind of had a little stumble moment as well in my entrepreneurial career and had to go work for somebody for a little bit, you know, and, and yeah. went quite a bit in debt myself. So I had to go dig, dig out of the hole. It's crazy. Um, you know, but it's funny cause like you did the entrepreneur on fire podcast. I did. That's the irony of being on the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast. But you're like, mm -hmm. might have to go get a job. But that podcast ended up putting you on the radar of the guys at Lowry.com. Yep. Then you started working with them. Then you mm -hmm. pulled me over there. Uh, and then I started getting involved. I became the chief operating officer there. We mm -hmm. ran that whole course of our life for, what, three years and change. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and then the rest is history. We told yeah. the story about how you called me up and came over to Growflow and all yep. the things. So, yeah, yeah that, that's my that's my origin story. So of all of those experiences, what, what would you say helps you today? And, and what of those experiences could help the people listening? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think, hmm, well, number one is like in anything, in all things, like just know your outcome. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Just being honest with yourself. 
I think like getting clarity on what you're trying to accomplish and why that's important to you, those two steps, like what's your outcome and why, you know, if I were to ask myself that question, you know, four or five years before I moved to LA, I probably would have moved to LA four or five years earlier, mm. you know, like I was not clear on my objective at the time, you know, my objective I thought was maybe to go like become a partner in a consulting firm or to become an executive at Microsoft. And mm. actually at one point in time, I had no objective. So I was like, I'm going to try to go to 30 countries before I turn 30. I've been to like five and I was like 28. Yeah. So like, but you know, but asking yourself, like one of the things I've learned is like constantly going back to clarity, like what is your objective? Mm -hmm. And you know, if you ask me now, like even the team, you know, like I'm in our one-on-ones, I'm always asking like, what's your objective? What yeah. are you focused on this week? How does yeah. that fit into the bigger picture? How can I support you? Because I wish that someone was saying that to me because that would have helped me stay on course more. So that's definitely, that's definitely one big thing. Um, the other thing, and this might be a little cliche is like, mm -hmm. Like you just, it's not going to work out most of the time. Mm -hmm. That's not like, I'm not, I'm a pretty positive thinker. I'm always trying to find the silver lining and I, I'm a woo-woo guy. So I believe that words are things and we create our own reality and sure. all that. Yep. Um, but yo, like most of the time it doesn't work. Yeah. And that's supposed to be that way. Yeah. Cause that's like there for you to learn. Right. Right. Like, and everything is a resource. I said that earlier, but mm -hmm. literally everything's a resource. So like your failures, your successes, your relationships, like everything that you have at your disposal can be used as a resource to help you get your objective. If you can see it that way. Yeah. And so like the, I knew that to be true and I had to test that uh, belief and that philosophy when I was at like my lowest lows and my points of failure and man, like that really helped me. So those, those two things, I think big picture, that's like more like life stuff, less like much your business, but yeah, but still, I mean, that's sometimes they're one and the same, right? You know? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, like we're humans. Yeah. You know, we talk about this in marketing a lot with the with the team. You know, it's like it's not really like B to C and it's not B to B or B to G. It's like it's human to human. Yeah. It's like H to H. It's H to H. You know, it's like human beings going through our experience on this planet, trying to just do the best that we can. And if you can see it that way and that just allows you to kind of show up with a lot more empathy mm -hmm. and a lot less judgment, um, it just makes things a little more enjoyable and it serendipitously helps you do a lot better in your marketing and sales. So. Definitely. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, honestly, it's, I think it's a really important lesson to just remind people. It's like, first and foremost, most stuff does not work out in the way that you think it will Yeah. in the very beginning. But at the end of the day, a lot of times the worst things that ever happened to you end up being the best things that ever happened to you many times, not necessarily like if someone died or something like that, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> um, like a lot of the, a lot of the things in my career that, that were, oh my God, you know, my life is over kind of moments ended up being sometimes some of the biggest catalysts. Oh, hundred percent. And one other thing that's super important dude. like who you're around is everything. I know that's a cliche, you know, mm -hmm. I think it was Jim Rohn that originally said like, you are your five closest friends or something like that. Sure. Um, but honestly, like moving from a corporate environment where people really have a fixed mindset, there are mm -hmm. some A players in corporate environments clearly, yep. you know, and I was around some very sharp people, but that's a, it was completely different when yeah. I came into entrepreneur land. Yeah. You know, we were involved with a group called the Summit Series. And when I started hanging out with people from Summit Series, I realized like I was different. Like I like people, they think big too was my original reaction to that. Yeah. And then when I, when I left my environment and I got around people that all they did was think big, all they did was think resourcefully, all they did was see, uh, you know, the opportunity in front. And, and like literally it was people that actually thought about life in a limitless capacity when you start getting around dozens and dozens of people like this and they're the ones that are launching the next billion dollar company and like we just got i, I got lucky it just kind of slipstreamed into this world mm -hmm. but man like being around 
people that are thinking big, like that, that want to create instead of criticize, that want to get to the next level and don't really see life through a limiting lens. Yeah. That completely changed what I thought was possible for me. Yeah. Like it like nuked my negative self-talk. I was like, yo, if they could do it, I can do it too. Definitely. And so it was like being in that environment, you know, it was, was critical. And I know not everybody has access to that, but you can make shifts to upgrade who you're around. Right. Even during COVID, like, you know, you can build relationships and cultivate virtual connection points so that you can get yourself around people that, you yeah. know, have a growth mindset and want to get to the next level. Like yeah. that was... That should have been the first thing I said, because that's probably the most important factor in everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's and it's it really is more simple than I think oftentimes people will will make it out to be in their heads. Like if sometimes people will ask, how can you get the how how can you spark the interest of somebody else somewhere in the process? And the easiest answer is just be interesting. Yeah. One. And how can you be how can you add value to these other people's lives? So so they will kind of lend their network to you. And the biggest answer is like, be valuable, ask them what they need, you know, and, and, and do your best to deliver that for them. hundred percent. Yeah. So if you've, if based on the experiences that you've had across a very diverse career, going from, you know, break dancing at the highest level to management consultant at the highest level to, um, startup life and running, uh, an organization at the highest level, what would you say to somebody like Terry Love? Mm. I would say that, first of all, what you're doing is amazing. Keep up the good work. Uh, the next thing I would say is something we've already talked about in the podcast, which is if you want to win in life and in business, it's like you got to figure out who you want to be a hero to and you got to figure out how to get them from where they are to where they want to be. And the more that you can do that in advance of ever trying to sell them anything, through your marketing, your messaging, your brand, how you show up in the world, the easier it's going to be for you to grow your business and the easier it's going to be for you to connect human to human and the easier it's going to be for you to scale your, your business and you know go from being a tiny, tiny, tiny little company to a slightly less tiny company to a big company full of people that with a raving fan culture that are on fire to come in and win for you um, if you can keep that top of mind, right? Like who do you want to be a hero to and how do you help them? Like I know that sounds really basic, uh, but if you – do that instead of just talk about it. Crazy things happen. It's great. Crazy Ooh. magic happens. Rock and roll. I love it. Cool. Well, I'm done talking about myself now. <laughs> <laughs> final words of wisdom to impart on the viewing public. So my final thoughts are this. Make sure that you subscribe, like, and share this episode if you got value from it, if I didn't completely put you to sleep talking about myself. And uh, if you have any questions about Anything that we've talked about, if you want to get your business to the next level or you want any of our resources or our help, if you think there's anybody that we should be interviewing or talking to, uh, reach out to us, podcast at growflow.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to give you a shout out on the next podcast. So don't be bashful. Take advantage of that. And as always, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.